Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Amanda Mendez. Amanda, welcome to the podcast show. Thank you so much for having me, Derek. I'm excited to be here. All right, I'm excited too. And if you don't know who Amanda is, let me tell you a little bit about her. Amanda Mendez is an assistant public defender at the law offices of Julianne M. Holtz. She was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois where she benefited from city youth programs, which led to her calling in advocating for those in need, especially for children that come from impoverished backgrounds. Currently, Amanda handles domestic violence, misdemeanor traffic, and misdemeanor crimes in Tampa, Florida. This broad spectrum has allowed her to gain great knowledge of the vast criminal law arena. Let's dive on in, Amanda. What inspired you to become an attorney? Um, honestly, I think it was, again, advocating for those, advocating for those in need. Um, originally, when I started college, I knew I wanted to do something that was, you know, um, going to bring awareness on several issues. So uh, I did look into broadcasting and um, I went to the University of South Florida and um, I was uh, a minor in journalism. And then I switched my major after I watched this documentary, The 60 Minutes on Judge Judy, believe it or not. She is one of my idols and I read one of her books and then I thought to myself, I, I felt like such a connection with the work that she was doing in family law. Um, and at that moment I switched to my majors and I decided to go into law. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so what I'm taking from that is there's the, the power, of course, as a personal development coach, I, I'm all about the books. I'm all about the, the, the self-help books, reading, getting to more content, but that, I think that's some of the power of reading um, books, but again, books by people in this context, you know, you reading Judge Judy's book led to this, again, this radical transformation from going from going in that, that broadcasting route um, to being an attorney. Again, I think it's a powerful testimony for the, for just that, the power of books in our lives and in, in, in our world. Yes, 100%. What do you enjoy most about being an attorney? I enjoy being in the courtroom. I'm a litigator. I love, um, you know, as a defense counsel, I represent the interest of my clients. And so I love to be able to argue on their behalf and really get the message across. I love, um, you know, communicating and working with the state attorney's office and, you know, just going before the judge. I just feel, you know, um, I feel my best when I'm in the courtroom. And so that's what I love most is really just every day. Like I love trials. I really love arguing motions, things of that sort. So to be able to do that for people and actually help them by delivering these messages and advocating for their needs um, is probably my highlight. So I would say that's why also I'm in criminal law. Um, it's the area in which you're probably in court the most opposed to like civil and other areas of law. I've never been a person that wants to be like behind the computer, you know, writing all all day. Um, I'm a person that likes to be upfront and, um, you know, just speaking to people. And this really gives me the best opportunity. Mm, yes, yes, yes. When I, when I hear that, I'm hearing somebody who loves to speak, loves to deliver. So love, they, they like the spotlight. And what I know about people is most people don't want the spotlight at all. But I, I love the self-awareness to understand pretty much what you in your own way, not anybody else's, because again, most people don't want to be in the spotlight. Most people don't even like public speaking. I know different speaking opportunities. I get people 
come up to me and tell me I could never do what you do. And I imagine for you, it's probably something similar. People saying for you to say what you love the most is being in court in that performance. It sounds like it's a rare, um, it's a rare passion that you have. Yes, I agree. How did you decide to specialize in criminal law? Well, I would say probably when I started law school, I always wanted to be a prosecutor. I wanted to, you know, bring justice uh, to victims, which is interesting because now I'm a public defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm on the opposite side. Um, but I found that regardless of what side I'm on, I just want to advocate for those in need. Criminal law is just something I've just been passionate about since even before law school. Um, it, from both spectrums, you know, whether it's bringing justice to victims or advocating for those who have been falsely accused of crimes or overcharged and things of that sort. So um, criminal law was just always just a passion. I loved uh, briefing case law with criminal law. I've always been interested. I loved crime documentaries. Um, I love like court podcasts, things of that sort. I and mean, they didn't have that really back when, you know, I was in class but um, you know watching things online and and things of that sort it's just was it's just what my passion is mm, yes okay so I, I answer this question now when it comes to even some of the shows or the which which show would you put out there as the one that most is actually like what you do because you're you're in criminal defense so which one is most accurately depicting what you do as a criminal defense attorney that's a good question. I don't think any of them are, unless it's um, like a, a reality type of show in which they're covering like a docu-series, but all of the scripted shows, uh, none of them are really quite like the real world, you know? And so it's always a chuckle to watch them, you know, because I'm a big fan of like Law & Order. I'm a big fan of Suits and, you know, all of those TV shows, I love them, but um, they don't really mirror the real life of what happens in court. It's not as dramatic. And um, there's a lot more rules we have, we're confined within in order to uh, articulate our points. and. And so I wouldn't be able to pick a show that I believe would be mirroring, you know, re- real world um, law. Right. And, and I appreciate that, that honesty and that perspective, because sometimes, and, and you know this, um, the role of an attorney, there is a prestige in the role. Like, you know, what you had to go through to, you know, to, to go through law school, to, to pass the bar, to get to where you are. Um, there is a prestige. There, there's quite. Um, it's quite an accomplishment to 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 get that to get into that industry. Now, um, now people who might have that prestige from the outside looking in, considering some of those shows and saying, "Oh, I want to do what's on that show." However, you're saying so some of those shows are, are actually not really like what it actually is that I do. Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, you know, you can say that this, you know helping those, the victims in those cases, things of that sort, that's probably all relatable and real towards real life. I just guess maybe the practice in the actual courtroom is pretty dramatic and it's not, you know, anything close to real life. But I guess you can say that some of the shows they'll have, you know, like victims in the cases and, you know, cases that exist. I guess those are things that are real life. So um, people can find a connection and feel that that's something that they want to explore if they decide that they wanted to, you know, practice law or look into it. Um, I somewhat you can look at it in that perspective but you know I just guess as in practicing and being in the actual courtroom it's always again just a chuckle because it's like so far off <laughs> right 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 what 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 helped you in, in that regard to to figure out 
um, at what point did you realize the, the, the difference, right? The difference between what's portrayed on TV and what's doing. At, at what point were you like, hey, this is completely different. Was it in law school or was it after? It was yeah, it was in law school. Reading case law, learning like the rules of evidence, things of that sort, um, trial skills, you know, all of that. And that's when I kind of realized it wasn't the same. Or I'd watch shows now as a law student and then I'd be like, oh, I know what that means. And, you know, you get excited, you know, when you first start out. So um, that's probably, yeah, when I realized it wasn't really the same. Mm, awesome. What has been one challenge as an attorney that you have faced and have overcome? That's a really good question. Let me think. It's probably being able to um, control the way I respond and understanding that as a defense counsel, you know, rejection is going to be big, you know, the courts typically, you know, they want to be safe, right? So they want to protect the community at large. And a lot of times I feel that when they're in doubt, they're going to kind of lead towards the state attorney's office and their positions, even though we may have quality arguments or case laws to back us up. And so, you know, in the beginning, I was, I would feel like I had such a good point. I had case law to back me up and then, um, you know, being rejected by the judge or being, you know, things of that sort uh, and losing, it was hard for me at first, you know, and I'm very, an animated person. Um, sometimes I can't control my face expressions and so it was really challenging in the beginning and I was like what like what do you mean like this is you know things of that sort I would say that's probably the was one of the biggest adjustments I had and now I have thick skin you know I'm a public defender so I'm here um with people from very difficult backgrounds a lot of times they're indigent um so you know financially they have struggles and things of that sort so I'm just happy to be the person that can represent them, bring their best interests, you know, forward, and really, really make sure that I'm advocating for their need and working to defend them to the best of my ability with the resources that I have. And so that's probably the biggest challenge is, you know, losing an argument, uh, things of that sort. I feel that now uh, with time and experience, as long as I know I did everything I was supposed to do, I um, am able to make sure lay down all my objections so that I have it for the record if we ever need to appeal a case. Now I understand that that's what's really important, not necessarily what happens real time at that moment. And so that was a real big adjustment for me is uh, to be able to deal with, you know, if I feel that I'm right and the judge disagrees, um, you know, how to respond. And so now, you know, a little bit time in, I feel very comfortable. And, you know, if I lose, I, I don't really take it as, as hard as I used to. Sure. I, I'm here, I hear two things from you. One, I hear that, that, that you have a competitive spirit. Yes. Competitive spirit, of course. I mean, that's the reason you, you're doing what you're doing is to win. And then when, when you have that temper, I'm going to call it a temporary loss, what I heard from you is not seeing it as a permanent loss. Because exactly. that temporary lo loss, and I, and, I, and I want to talk to the, the podcast listeners for a moment so, so they understand what you just said. She just said to not allow some of these temporary setbacks. So even if you're listening in, you're not an attorney or you're not even interested in the law field, but you're listening in for the life principles we're talking about. And here's one I wanna highlight for you as a listener. She said, not allowing temporary setbacks to be permanently discouraging. Because many times uh, temporary setbacks can be something that helps you to be successful later on down the line. But I, I love the concept of not allowing those, those, those temporary setbacks to get you down for the, for the, for the long term. Yeah, and that applies to, you know, everyday life in general, you know, you have to get to a point where you have to be able to, you know, 
lose, receive rejection, failures, all of those things are important. They actually teach you valuable lessons. Um, it puts you in a path to eventually be successful. I just feel that in life, you're going to fail more than you succeed, right? And you need to take those failures as lessons and learn and grow from them. And that's, I think, can apply across the board no matter what you do for a living. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I want to highlight what you said right there, though. You said, um, how did you describe it? Oh, I love that you captured it, what you just said, because you said we're going to face more failures in life than success. Although, like in our world, in the kind of the way our world is designed is we, we don't, oh, for, for example, on my Instagram, I'm not talking about all of my L's. You know, I'm not talking about all of my losses um, that happen in life, right? Or whether it's on any, any social media account, but there's, it's, it's, I love the, the lesson you're, 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 you're sharing there because the lesson is, there's a, there's a lot of losses that happen behind the scenes that aren't always visible to people who are just tuning in every now and then to whether that's a, your social media account or that's um, or that's any kind of other interaction with us. But understanding the big picture of, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have a number of losses in life. But but this back to the whole, whole point, which is not allowing those temporary losses to be that permanent, permanently discouraging. Yes. What has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney? Honestly, a calendar. In, <laughs> um, I guess, right now for me, I'm single and I don't have any children, right? So I have the ability to put a lot of my time and energy into the work that I do. Um, and then, you know, so I don't know that I'd be a good person to talk about work-life balance, um, you know, at this point, um, because, you know, I do put a lot of my energy into work. I'm actually a fairly new attorney. And so I just believe that right now is my time to really dive in and work as much as I can so that I can, um, become an expert in the field. And that's ultimately my goal, which is another reason why I wanted to do public service. I wanted to do public service for two reasons. One, because I definitely wanted to help those in need. And then two, I wanted to put myself in a position that I'd be able to get enough cases to gain the experience I need in the long run um, for my future goals. And so I would say right now, I work a lot more than I, I do have a social life. However, I do make it a point on the weekends if you know I don't have a, a, a trial on a Monday or a motion hearing, then I am going to enjoy that weekend. Um, I try my best to you know enjoy my family as much as I can, and I'm um, just putting everything on a calendar. Sometimes you know my life gets so busy, but I just make sure I keep a calendar to say, hey, you know what? This is the night I'm going to go out with my girlfriends, or you know I'm going to take a trip or hang out with you know whoever. I, I put that on my calendar as well because you know that's really kind of what keeps me in place. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I like the direction you went with it um, as well. You talked about uh, understanding your season of life because mm -hmm. um, every season is going to be a little bit different and your priorities are going to be a little bit different based on the season you're in. And you, and you, you, you owned it right now. You said right now, um, it makes sense to have a heavy emphasis on your career to get that experience under your belt for the goals you have down the line. Um, whereas, you know, a, a, a parent of two or three, you know, their, their work-life balance is going to look radically different than yours does right now. Exactly, exactly. And so that's why, you know, right now I'm just focused on the work, but I know eventually I'm going to have to get those skills to be able to put a good balance, you know, when I start, you know, when I have a family and I start having children and things of that sort, because that is something also that's going to be important to me. So I know I'll have to get to that point. I'm just, you know, not there yet. 
Sure, sure. Now you mentioned your goals down the line. So, so talk about that. Like, what 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 do you foresee? What do you see in your future? What's that vision and those goals that you that you see up ahead? What does that look like for you? Well, in addition to practicing law, I would love to get into um, work with helping people for you know that have suffered from domestic violence and um, children. Um, because uh, as a new attorney, um, I started working off in the juvenile division. And I've learned so much um, as it relates to, you know, children coming from difficult backgrounds, put them in a position of risk to, you know, be charged with crimes that other children, um, you know, that behaves in a similar way, but they just come from a different, uh, pretty much like a different um, demographic, they're going to be treated differently. And so since I've seen that head on, um, I would love to eventually, you know, try to get into some type of work where I can help uh, provide resources for a lot of these children. Um, you know, for example, I notice in a lot of uh, low income demographics, a lot of school districts will house, um, you know, police officers. Um, and so uh, two kids getting into like a small school fight, they're going to go ahead and arrest them because the police officers happen to be housed in the school where you may have a different school and they'll just get suspended. And so things of that sort, you know, a, a lot of times it's just because, again, where they're coming from, their backgrounds, things of that sort. A lot of children with difficult um, living situations are getting arrested, you know, for uh, possibly having a mental health issue, but because it's untreated and nobody really understands how to take care of this child, they're being charged with crimes. So, you know, long term, I would love to try to get into um, being able to do some type of philanthropy and work with uh, the youth um, so that I can provide resources for them uh, so that we can identify mental health issues, we can identify things that are going on um, and then help them out. And then eventually also work with, you know, local communities and, you know, people with legislating because I just don't believe that police officers belong in schools, period. I, I feel that it's disappointing that there are more police officers in schools than there are nurses. And uh, you know, people with mental health. And so that's one really big thing that since practicing law has become a passion of mine that I would love to do. And then um, eventually I would like to open up my own firm. Um, and then ultimately I would like to be a judge. Oh, okay. I, lo I love the vision. I love the vision. I think anybody listening right now, you could, you could obviously tell her passion was this, it is exploded when she was talking about advocating for um, the children in demographics that are not, you know, favorable. And I think, I think that that's always noble to hear about what you want to do there. And then of course, I, I'm a big advocate of, um, of Latina owned law firms. So yes. I think more power to you. Love to hear that. And even beyond that, you know, you, you talked about your idol earlier and judge Judy and really truly following her footsteps and, 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 and moving toward that uh, that goal of being a judge, I love it. I, I, I love the idea of the podcast because we're going to be able to stamp this as a point in time, and then I'll yes. be I'll be able to reach out to you a couple of years from now or whatever it is, and go like, "Hey, uh, Amanda, you remember when you said?" And then you're like, "Hey, you're doing it. You know, you're you're doing exactly what you said on that episode back in October of 2020 during the pandemic." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, now tell me what has been the biggest surprise for you in becoming an attorney? The biggest surprise, that's a really good question. Probably how disappointing it is to find out that um, a lot of, um, when it comes to the state attorney's office, a lot of, especially again, I go back to children, um, a lot of children being, um, uh, 
overcharged. Uh, that was a big surprise in practicing law. I always just thought that, you know, it was going to be, you know, that they would look at the case and be fair when charging decisions. And so becoming an attorney, you know, I would, I could read a police report and I can go ahead and break it down and immediately know what the charge should be. And it was a big surprise to find out that other people went to, you know, law school, just like me practice law, but they have the prosecuting authority that they charge so high, um, in my opinion, which a lot of times is inappropriate for some of these children. And if they don't have a good attorney, they'll end up pleading out and having this, you know, score eventually when they get into adulthood. So that was very surprising for me, um, understanding that, you know, people that have the discretion to make charging decisions that they, make, in my opinion, sometimes um, wrong charging uh, um, charges. Got it. Now, break it down a little bit for me for, for, for people listening in that aren't as versed in that. So when you talk about charging, you're talking about, a, for example, if a, if, a, if, a, if a child commits a crime and then what they're charged for that crime is... Uh, yes. So for example, let's say in my experience, um, I... Uh, represented um, a child who uh, had a severe case of autism. He was on the high end of the spectrum and he had an episode because uh, the medication had changed and he was going through purity. Uh, in this case, he had an episode at school and um, he tossed a chair. Um, and then after that, he took a clipboard and, and he was in charge of taking a clipboard and um, tossing it at one of the uh, teachers at the school and they charged him with felony battery. And in my opinion, I thought that that was extreme. Uh, it was clear that he was not competent um, and knew what he was doing when he had that episode. And so for the state attorneys not to, you know, be inclined to really look at this at what it is and maybe even reduce it to a misdemeanor or maybe create a program for him, you know, to go into a mental health you know, court, which they did ultimately have that option. But I just felt that um, this kid shouldn't have been charged with a crime at all, you know, and that was just my opinion. And so, you know, that's what I talk about when you have people in a position to look at a full case and why would you make a decision to charge somebody with autism with a felony battery for something as simple as that when nobody was really injured, there was, you know, it was no serious bodily injury at all. Mm. And things like that, you know, um, you know, it, it it's, it's, it saddens me. It does. And so that's why I just work harder so I can represent these people and children and advocate for them. And, you know, eventually that case, you know, we had a great resolution and ended up being dropped um, because a lot of the work that I did. Um, however, not a lot of people may have an attorney like me or, you know, have an attorney at all. I mean, just enter a program, you know, without really knowing all of their rights. And so that's pretty much what I mean. Or for example, uh, another another situation where um, a kid, a police officer tells the kid, hey, come over here. And the kid has an attitude, you know, because they're kids, right? And so they'll have an attitude of like, no, and curse and walk away. And then they'll charge him with resisting arrest. And it's like, they weren't even, they weren't even doing anything else, you know? And so the state attorneys will move forward on this. And then you have these children that, you know, unfortunately, again, a lot of them come from, you know, um, uh, difficult backgrounds, you know, um, you know, poor, don't have really family support, and they're just being charged with all of these crimes. And a lot of times I really do believe it's because of the demographic and area that they're in, because I do believe in other demographics, uh, children uh, with similar behaviors are not being charged with crimes. You know, they're, they're, you know, getting, you know, spoken to, they're getting suspended, they're getting programs. Um, but a lot of the children that I represent are being overcharged with crimes and they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um... I think there's a lot of power in the information, and I think there's power in your expertise and uh, being aware of that, know, knowing that. And I think it makes me all the more, you know, a fan of what you do, you know, um, because we know people like you are out there 
that are um, that are striving to take care of you know the children, which are um, which are precious, and and, and thinking about the, a holistic picture of what's happening, and not just not just the, the circumstance, not just the the, the, um, the what's happening on the, at the surface, but really going um, beyond um, beyond the the, the the beyond the surface and going going deeper to figure out what's really yeah. going on in these situations. And I'd like to add that there are. Um, there are several great um, uh, assistant state attorneys, prosecutors, um, in other words, uh, and they will charge correctly and they do understand and they'll review the cases and they do make different decisions. Um, they just don't come as often as the other ones that will overcharge. And so I just wanna make it clear that I work with a lot of really good uh, prosecutors and that I have established really good relationships. So it's not me to say that it's all prosecutors, but it is a big issue that I see. Um, and, uh, you know, that, you know, I just wanna make sure that I can do my best and help them, you know, especially with families, you know, as a child, I got into fights with my sisters, like physical fights, like that's a real thing, you know, I, my siblings and I got into fights all the time and I was never charged with a felony. And you know, you have this family dynamic where a brother and sister fights and they call the police. Um, and then because they're young and they're, you know, being combative and they're charged with felony you know, with a deadly weapon because they threw a phone or something at a, another child. And so things like that really exist uh, within, you know, um, a lot of these communities in, in which the children I represent. And so that was, again, just one of the biggest surprises is to know that, you know, as a prosecutor, you can see the facts of this and decide to still move forward and really charge these children with, you know, serious crimes that are going to affect them for the rest of their life. Because yeah. even if felony a lot of times they may not be able to have access to federal student loans when they when they rehabilitate their life and they go to college you know they're not they may not be able to have the ability to then enter the military and reap those benefits because of these type of things which in reality it's a fight between a brother and sister or is a child with mental health issues and things of that sort so I just, you know, do my best to make sure that I have good relationships with the prosecutors. So sometimes I can actually speak to them and, you know, with my reputation and just being very honest and doing really good work. I feel that a lot of times they will take what I say into consideration more than others because we have good relationships. So I think that's another big important piece mm -hmm. of the law is making sure you have good relationships with everybody from, you know, the judge to the clerk to, you know, the, you know, probation officers, juvenile probation officers, and the prosecutors. So I think that's also just as much as, you know, Ooh. important. Preach it. This Preach that lesson right there. Um, now I'm, I'm going to highlight what, 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 what Amanda just shared. She shared how pivotal, uh, and she said two things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture this. So sometimes we hear the quote, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I think Amanda's illustrating it's both. It's, it, it is what you know. You were talking about even how to read some of those cases or the police forms and all of those things. It's what you know. And it's also who you know, it's the ability to have great relationships that, are, again, this is a universal principle. This is, it, it applies certainly as an attorney, but it applies in every other area of life as well. I remember um, hearing about some of some friends who, you know, who are just striving to play basketball in college, but it went back to, well, who do you know that knows people? You know, who do you know that knows a coach? Who do you know that knows a trainer? Who do you know that knows somebody that can, if you if you're if you're connected with your relationships it's like all of the odds are tipped in your favor but it's also true on the opposite end if you if you don't know how to have great relations with people if you don't know the relationship principles that work you will you will face over and over again obstacles in striving to get ahead and be successful if you don't know the relationship principles that work time and time again 
Yes, I agree 100%. It's so important to establish relationships, even with people that, for example, in the courtroom, we're going to be adversaries, right? The prosecutors and I, but then outside of the courtroom, there's nothing wrong with being able to, you know, break bread essentially and to, you know, communicate and have, you know, networking. And, you know, that's why it's important to network no matter what field you're in, I think. Um, and again, just building, you know, responsible and good relationships with people that you work with, regardless on what side of the aisle that they're on. It shouldn't be that, you know, prosecutors only talk to prosecutors and defense attorneys only talk to defense attorneys, you know, it, it's important that when you're practicing in any area um, that you establish relationships with everybody that you're involved with and that you have to communicate with. Mm -hmm. And, and I, like how you said earlier too, like the component of even with your adversaries, even people who will be going against you, striving to have relationships, be, you know, beyond that, that competitive field. And I think sometimes we could, we, I know I grew up this way where I could think of other people as this competitors and competitors only Com competitors and, and enemies only, but no, it's not like that. We can, we can have great relationships with people that we compete against and, and completely be connected um, outside of this competition. In your case, it's, it's the, it's the, um, it's the courthouse and other people, it might be, a, a, uh, um, the, it might be the football field or the basketball court, um, or again, in, in business, it's other businesses who do the same work, but striving to um, make the most of those relationships because you never know how, even to your point, you can help one another in the journey. When you, tell me, when you meet people and they find out about what you do as an attorney, how do people respond? Um, it depends on, um, like the reason why I'm talking to this person. So for example, um, you know, if it's just a random person, they'll be like, oh my God, you practice law. And, and then they'll ask me a legal question. And a lot of times it won't be in the area that I practice. <laughs> And oh, this happened to me, or you know, and I'm like, oh, great, you know, I practice criminal law. I can, you know, if you're charged with a crime, I can kind of help you with that. But you know, uh, so you know, or if you know, I'm just meeting people and we're networking, and I just say I'm an attorney. A lot of times, people are they seem to be impressed. They're like, wow, you know, that's a you know difficult you know that's a, a difficult goal to you know be able to um, achieve. And um, so yeah, it, it just depends. A lot of time, but most of the time, it's usually like. They'll ask me a legal question a lot of times when they find out. So that's pretty interesting. And um, yeah. Good, good. I know whenever I meet attorneys, I'm like, hey, do you podcast? <laughs> and uh, gotta, gotta get it, you know, um, do you do any interviews? But but um, but right. No, I, I think it is. I think, as we mentioned earlier, there there is this uh, there's a prestige in what you do and the work that you put in to be able to get to where you are. So not surprising that people are impressed and then also want to tap into some of your knowledge um, of course, some people don't realize how many niches there yeah, are huh? in law, um, but, uh, but yes, I, I love that. I love it. Well, good. Well, to bring it in for I mean, I have, I have one final question for you. Um, what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? It's a good question. I have to process it so I can make sure I give a good answer. Um, some of my favorite qualities of my favorite people mm -hmm. uh, probably would be determination, um, passion, integrity, things of that sort you know, and some of them, and, and those people would range from my family members to people that I work with, uh, to, you know, 
uh, law school professors, things of that sort. So I have a, you know, a little favorite person in every part of my life. And, and most of them, you know, hold those um, qualities. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's fascinating. You, when you bring up determination and passion, those are absolutely clear from you, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in, this, in this podcast, as, as you're talking about different areas um, of what you represent. Those, those things came clear, of course, what you've achieved as, a, as an attorney. That's clear that you have the determination, um, but, uh, but I love it. So you said determination, passion, and integrity, and you see those in your family. Well, fantastic. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me on the Strong Life Coach Podcast. It was a pleasure hosting. Thank you for gracing the podcast with your presence. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a great conversation. I really do appreciate it. I look forward to coming back one day and hopefully, you know, then I'm able to accomplish new goals that I have the ability to speak to you about. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, if you're listening in, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Go share this podcast with somebody who can benefit from it. Give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And of course, remember to subscribe. Thank you for listening and we'll connect with you on the next episode.